it was the Christmas season, and the children in the church were given a project, a nativity for Christmas Eve. And there were right many of us in those years, and before the event would be over, the gaggle of us would either be in angel costumes uh, with glitter halos or our bathrobes standing ready as shepherds, heads proudly draped with bath towels. And I remember the floor in the old fellowship hall where, where the cast was gathered, chilly in those winter days in southwestern Virginia. You've never seen so many angels with flip-flops running around or, or slipping and sliding around in socked feet. And I found a picture recently of, of several of us children who were in the cast and saw faces, most of whom I've not seen in years. The thing I remember the most was the most feared part of the event. The most feared part of the event. We had to memorize Scripture. And it filled me with such anxiety, with such dread, that, that it nearly ruined my Christmas. We had to recite Luke 2, verses 7 through 14. I still remember the first line. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and she laid him in a manger, for there was no room for them in the inn. It's a story which many, if not most of us, we know very well. But imagine this morning that you've never heard this story. In those days, a decree goes out from Caesar Augustus that a census would be taken of all the inhabited earth, all of that realm to that point. And this was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. The census. Well, the Romans, they're in charge of the Jews, and they want to know how many and who all... They're sizing up a, a potential enemy. If we think back, it's not, unlike, it's not unlike how the Egyptians felt about the Hebrews way back before the Exodus and Moses. Why does Luke tell us about this man Quirinius? Well, it's like, it's like saying, do you, remember, do you remember the time when we had that big snow? Do you remember when, when he did that or I did this? Do you remember... It's simply a marker of the event. All the people are on their way to register for the census, each going to his own city. Joseph went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David. In order to register along with Mary who was betrothed to him and was pregnant, each to his own city. Joseph of the house and family of David, if we went back to Matthew chapter 1, we can see the family tree all the way from the old song the children sang, Father Abraham, all the way from Father Abraham to King David, many generations, all the way to Jacob, this man Jacob who, who fathered Joseph the husband of Mary, by whom Jesus was born, who was called the Messiah. Joseph and Mary, Mary great with child, make the journey from Galilee and Nazareth to Bethlehem and Judea, the city of David. And as we saw last time, David 
the son of Jesse, grew up in Bethlehem and was anointed king there by the prophet Samuel. This journey from Galilee to Bethlehem is roughly 68 miles. And, and this wasn't Virginia Smart Road. This wasn't Dual Highway. This was not even County Road. <laughs> this was road that's rough and rocky and mighty dark to travel. Traveled by a, a young man and his young bride, nearly ready to give birth. And while they're there, the time comes for her to give birth. And it's a funny thing about time. The time arrives. Some translations read, the days were completed. Time was fulfilled. And when something is fulfilled or completed, this to me communicates intention. Mary gives birth, but, it, but it's not just any birth. We know the story. Gabriel visits Mary and tells her the plan. You, you know the story. You remember the story from Luke chapter 1, and it's actually where we would first meet Mary. The angel Gabriel is sent by God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name is Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name is Mary. And, and Gabriel comes in and he says to Mary, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. Mary is very perplexed, and uh, she's pondering what kind of greeting this is. She's perplexed. She, she's fearful. She's, she's apprehensive. As we've seen before, when angels show up, when heaven comes to earth, mankind had best be ready for anything. The angel says to Mary, do not be afraid, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and give birth to a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary asks Gabriel the question of all questions. How will this be since I'm a virgin? Gabriel answers, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. For that reason, also the Holy Child will be called the Son of God. The last thing which Gabriel said to Mary, nothing will be impossible with God. Mary responds, Behold the Lord's bondservant. She points to herself. May it be done to me according to your word. And then the angel departs. Time passes. Mary and Joseph are now here in Bethlehem, and the time is fulfilled. The impossible is now at hand. And she gives birth to her firstborn son, and she wraps him in cloths, and she lays him in a manger because there is no room for them in the inn. She gives birth 
birth to her firstborn child. The firstborn of Mary. This one, capital O, this one who was, according to Paul in Colossians chapter 1, this one is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. She wraps this one in cloths. She lays the baby in a manger. There's no room for them anywhere else in, in, in the inn. And if the family is not in the inn, and if the baby is lying in a manger, a feeding trough, they must be in a stable, probably a stable close to the inn. And in the same region, there are shepherds staying out in the fields, and they're keeping watch over their flock at night. Their, their flock is in the field. The shepherds, they're in the fields. They're staying with the flock, watching them, protecting them. This is common practice for shepherds. It's what they do. It's part of the routine. It's part of the grind. This is their life. This is their every day. Staying in the field, staying with sheep, smelling like sheep, Sheep which they don't even own. What if someone said to you, Hello, this is the rest of your life. Go live in the field and live there and watch over a flock that you don't own and you won't ever own. And then something out of the ordinary happens. An angel of the Lord suddenly stands near them. And the glory of the Lord shines around them and they are terribly frightened. Luke says terribly frightened, not just frightened. When I learned this scripture for that nativity, I learned it as the shepherds were sore afraid. (laughs) They were sore afraid. Why are the shepherds sore afraid? Well, the glory of God. Where does one begin to describe the glory of God? If we go back to the book of 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 8, when Solomon, when King Solomon has the Ark of the Covenant brought into the temple, 1 Kings chapter 8 verse 10 reads, And it happened that when the priests came from the holy place, the cloud filled the house of the Lord, so that the priests could not stand, could not stand to minister because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. They couldn't even stand up. The presence of the Lord was such. The glory of the Lord, that same glory seen by Moses in the burning bush, that same glory seen by the Israelites in the pillar of fire and the cloud which led them through the wilderness, that same glory which would be made manifest later in front of three frightened disciples on the Mount of Transfiguration. That same glory, the glory of the Lord, is shining all around the shepherds, and they are sore afraid. And the angel says to them, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. Behold, 
If we were to look at that word in the original language, it's what is called an imperative. It's a command. Behold, listen, pay attention. I bring you good news. Good news. That word means gospel. I bring you the gospel. And when I bring you this gospel, that word actually, we get that word evangelist or evangelism from that word. So when you and I are telling this story again that the angels are telling the shepherds, we are bringing good news, we are bringing gospel, we are being evangelists. Bringing good news of great, wide, large joy, gladness, cheerfulness, delight. That will be for all, every, the whole, all the people. Reassurance and good news of great joy for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. A Savior, a Deliverer, a a Preserver has been born to you. He is, he is Christ, the Anointed One, the Messiah, the Lord, Master, Supreme in Authority. In the, in the original language, it reads Christos Kyrios, Christ and Lord, Messiah and Master, the Anointed One, and the One who is Supreme in Authority, Messiah and Master. You know, on a side note, so many People want to trust Jesus as Savior, but not as Master. They want to trust in Him as Messiah, but not the one who gives authority or the one who is in charge. That's another sermon for another day. Messiah and Master, Christ the Lord. And then the angel says this, This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly, there appeared with the angel a magnitude of the heavenly army of angels praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among people with whom He is pleased. (laughs) Good news. How many of us have have asked God to send us a sign? (laughs) We all have. We've asked for clarity. Well, the angel tells the shepherds that there will be a sign, what to look for, how the baby will be wrapped up, where the baby will be, and then armies of angels appear. Heavenly glory made manifest in the night sky. Can you imagine what it looks like? Can you imagine what it sounds like? They're praising God, they're worshiping God, armies from heaven praising the prince of heaven now come to earth. And these armies of angels are allowing these humble shepherds, meek and mild, an opportunity to listen in. Glory to God in the highest. That divine splendor, the supreme, the heavens, more than we can imagine. Glory to God. And with the same intensity, on earth, peace. To the human race, on whom his favor rests. His favor, his satisfaction, his delight, his his kindness, his, his purpose. 
purpose for mankind with the same equal footing as glory to God, with whom he is well pleased. This is good news. It's good news. This one has come to bring peace to us. Do you remember Isaiah's prophecy? This one will be called Prince of Peace. He will be our peace. We will find our rest in Him. Good news, good news. Nothing is impossible with God. The angels depart. The shepherds begin to say to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem. Let's go straight there and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. Maybe just as immediately as they had appeared, the angels are gone. The shepherds, let's go straight to Bethlehem. They've been told about this sign. They've been told about the sign. They've been told what to look for. Let's go see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known. There's no mistaking who has told them. The angels have given the shepherds a message from the Lord. And there's no question. And they go in a hurry. They find their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he is lying in the manger. The shepherds, they depart in a hurry. And, and Luke emphasizes the hurry. They, they don't saunter along. <laughs> they don't take their sweet time. And we're told that they find their way to the family. Mary would have to be exhausted. And let's not forget Joseph, who no doubt has been beyond a bundle of nerves for months. Joseph would have to be relieved. The baby is lying in the manger. Heavenly glory made manifest. This time not in the night sky, but in a manger. Luke tells us that when the shepherds had seen him, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. The, the shepherds, they see the baby. They tell Mary and Joseph who they are, why they're there, what they know. And all who hear it are amazed about the things which are being told them by the shepherds. And it sounds like there, there may be more there in the stable than just Mary and Joseph and Jesus, but we don't know. We're not certain, but, but Mary, she treasures all these things. She ponders them in her heart. She, she's soaking it all in. No doubt a special time for a new mom, especially this event. Despite the magnitude of such, despite the weight, the significance, the glory, that's actually what the word glory means is weight and significance. Despite all of this, Mary is still a young mom with a beautiful new baby boy. Wander and ponder. <laughs> she's pondering, she's considering all of this. And she wonders in amazement. The shepherds go back. They, they're glorifying and they're praising God for all that they had heard and seen just as had been told them. They return to their fields. The, the shepherds, they return to the flocks. 
as they go, they, they are glorifying and, and praising God. They're, they're giving God the glory. They're giving the Lord praise for all that had been heard, all that had been seen, everything the angel had told them, everything that the Lord had made known to them. And this is what's interesting. Everything the Lord told them, everything the angels had shared with them, was true. Everything God said was true. So really, whatever the level of the faith of each one of those shepherds, that had to be enhanced. It had to be strengthened. (laughs) That's what I would call a kingdom encounter for these shepherds. You know, those shepherds, those shepherds would, would go on to tell what they'd seen and heard. While they tended their sheep, some of those sheep that no doubt would go on to be used as unblemished sacrifices in the temple. These shepherds tending lambs have heard the good news. They've heard the gospel. This gospel of the unblemished, sacrificial, sinless Lamb of God who would ultimately be slain for them and for us. In order to pay our sin debt, that baby, that little baby, Mary's little lamb, would grow up and go up to a cross on Calvary's hill, taking the sins of all who would believe, taking them upon himself, in order to give his righteousness to all those who would confess their sins and trust in salvation that comes only from him. This Savior, who today in the city of David has been born for you and me, a Savior who is Christ the Lord, This is good news. It's good news for all of us. The angel said, don't be afraid, for behold, I I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. For you, for me, for us. The angel said, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among people with whom he is pleased. Good news for us. Jesus, the one who has been promised to bring peace, fulfillment, satisfaction, completeness. As Gabriel told Mary, nothing is impossible with God. All this would take place just as the Lord had told them. Just as the Lord said, all of this would take place, we would see ultimately so that the Scriptures can be fulfilled. God's Word is true. We can trust His Word, and we can trust Him. Good news for us, Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. God for us. Good news.